Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We have a very jam-packed show. Chip Scoggins braving the traffic from the eastern suburbs to join us here. Lou Nanny, a scoop with Doogie, Matthew Collar, and a shrewd twins move or two yesterday. Mackie and Joe. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? It goes to Williams. He got it blocked by Towns. Great feed and time by Butler to Towns for the slam. Towns inside. The block and one. Jordan blocked that time. Well defended by Towns. Now, I fell asleep uh, before the fourth quarter because it was a late night game and... Hey, I want to be well-rested for the show, like Judd always says. I stayed up for the whole thing. It was very, very exciting. Wow, what a selfish move. By very you. exciting. I wanted to come in here in case they <laughs> collapsed so that I could do the, the same thing that, that I was a- able to do with the with the Wild game the day before, which is properly critique what the hell went wrong. Well, in this case, they actually stopped it from happening. Part of the reason why I felt comfortable going to bed in the third quarter is because they just looked... It's like they had some kind of a come-to-Jesus meeting or... I don't know. I don't know what it was. They've been playing so many games. They probably haven't practiced a whole lot. But they just in the first half, especially, they looked like they should look on a regular basis. Where Towns isn't floating aimlessly on defense. Uh, we don't expect him to be Kevin Garnett in his prime defensively right now. But be something other than like the lost wanderer in the in the paint. Mm-hmm. Our guy John Krasinski posted a bunch of great screen grabs and and videos on Twitter yesterday of Towns just not having a feel for defense. He looked like he was engaged last night. Uh, you had energy offensively in uh, in the first quarter, second quarter. It kind of slipped a little bit in the fourth quarter, but that's how they should look, Judd, on a more regular basis. It wasn't perfect. They still gave up a bunch of points to an anonymous Clippers team without Blake Griffin. Chris Paul's gone. Lost a lead late, but but didn't blow it completely. So right. yes. It got down to like three points. Yes. Towns went from uh, six shots against Memphis on Monday to 14 shots last night. He actually was involved offensively. It was nice to see. Monday night drove you crazy. This this threatened to. In fact, the only the only reason why a small portion of me was, was hoping that the collapse last night would become complete was late, late last night. Wolves Twitter got a little bit antsy. There's nothing better than Wolves Twitter. When late, the Wolves, late at night, there might have been a couple holiday spirits involved oh yeah. there, too. Yeah. There's, there's a couple glasses Corzo of jump on Twitter oh, in the second you, half? You bet he did. He was pretty quiet in the first half when they looked awesome. But but when Cor- when Corzo gets a couple wines, and then he goes on Twitter, <laughs> and then and then the great part is his disciples follow, and all of a sudden it's like, if they blow this, Tibbs has to go right after the game. <laughs> uh, so it's it, it all should feel you know, a little bit better. Okay, they, they've learned their lesson a little bit here. They spent the whole first half getting Carl Anthony Towns involved on a regular basis. 
everything was bang, bang, bang. But I need to go there for just a couple minutes here. I just, all right. Can you allow me a couple minutes to go there? Yes. And now, as if he hasn't done it enough times already, Phil Mackey reminds us why he absolutely cannot stand watching Andrew Wiggins. Okay. There was there there was a piece that that wasn't quite along for the ride last night and ha- and hasn't been in the majority of his four years with the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins, in the first half in particular, forget about the box score for a second here. All right, we were talking about this with Chip off the air. The ball was bouncing around. The energy was high. They're getting the ball in down low to Towns. Back out to Butler. Over to Teague. Teague's not holding the ball. First half, move the ball around. Give and go. Boom. Layup. Up by 10, up by 15. Mm -hmm. And it looked great, except once every four or five possessions, Andrew Wiggins would just go completely rogue from the flow of the offense and the flow of the game and would play, it's my turn, basketball. But But it's my turn now. What about me? And he would take a dumb turnaround, hand in his face, 23-footer. But it, wait, but, it, but I need to shoot. 16 shots, two more than anybody else on the court last night. Most of them from inefficient range, hand in face, DeAndre Jordan looking to block it, or fadeaways from like 20 feet. I think they should shop him right now. Before other teams figure out, once he gets to be 23, 24 years old, and also making $25 million, he was out there for 36 minutes last night mm-hmm. against a group of anonymous players. Wesley Johnson played 32 minutes last night for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Now, he plays some defense once in a while. He had I mean, he had some blocks last night. He's fine. Uh, it's basically like Gallinari, DeAndre Jordan, the coach's son, and Wes Johnson. And you're out there for 36 minutes jacking fadeaways from 20 feet, and you grab two rebounds. They should shop him right now. And I'm not... I'm not I put a lot of thought into this. I want to be patient with him. It's enough is enough. He doesn't fit. He's not working as a superstar for the money he makes. And if another team can be tricked into taking him for something of value, they should be shopping Andrew Wiggins right now. You know what the problem... I just turned that into a buzzkill. I'm sorry. Yeah, you really did. that was something else. You know what the problem is here? (laughs) And and there's no fixing it. He he has um, superstar athletic ability, I believe. He's not a smart player. He's just not he has he is not an instinctive athlete. He's not. He knows he doesn't understand like Butler completely gets the rhythm of a game. And and you see a guy once in a while and these people can be day-to-day complete morons. So like they can't they I don't care if they can read or write or they're smart, but there's some athletes you you see and you watch them play and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this guy completely gets the game. He completely gets where to be. He completely Wiggins has no idea how to play the game itself. Yeah, compare so, compare his uh, what, what you're saying, his intuition or his or his whether you want to call it basketball IQ, just his yeah. intuition and feel for the flow of a game. Basketball IQ. Uh, put that with his urgency, with his passion, with his enthusiasm or lack thereof in all those cases, and then compare it to Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson. Mm-hmm. And now Towns, I think, especially defensively, lacks in some of those areas too. Somebody hit me up last night. Why are you so much softer on Towns than on Wiggins? Well, it's, it's pretty easy. They're both pretty bad at defense. One of them is one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA and also understands kind of what to do offensively, even though he's still young and learning things and is a year behind Andrew Wiggins. One of them is a dominant offensive player. 
The other has dominant athletic skill sets, but has no idea how to implement them or deploy them offensively. And I don't think you could teach that. It's my turn to shoot. I don't think fade you can... away from twenty-three feet in the corner. Like, what and are by you the doing? way, though, here here's your here's your I want the ball. Here's your wolves conundrum, gentlemen, and here and this is your problem. At this rate, they're all going to be dead by March. At this, it's not going to matter. Do you know when the last time Tibbs employed four guys off his bench in a single game was? Well, Bielitz has been out for a while, yes, so it was a couple weeks. And Shabazz now, he doesn't play. It was four games ago. Yeah. In the last three games, you have used three guys off your bench. In the regular Shabazz, season, but Shabazz in is, December. Shabazz is no longer welcome to play. This is You are going to have these guys ground down to nothing. To nothing by late February at this rate. Yeah. You know, I, I wish there would have been some signal that Tom Thibodeau had a pattern of this behavior <laughs> that we could have something latched from, onto before something the from season. Paxson and Gar Foreman that they just would have told somebody. The Twins were informed Sunday night they were not going to be in the running with Shohei Otani, the Japanese two-way superstar. They, uh, you know, put together a, a package on why Minnesota would be a good fit for him. But at the end of the day, I think Otani, you know, wanted to be on the West Coast um, and decided that his best fit. Uh, is going to be elsewhere, not with the Minnesota Twins. Gray for Andrade's at third. There goes the runner at first, and a deep drive to left. Over the head of Sanchez. Going back. This is gone like the cool breeze. Three run home oh, run ball. for David Bonuelos, his first professional homer. And the Everett Aqua Sox have put up a six spot in the top of the first inning. Well, the, now, that, is a, a that's, that is a minor league play-by-play the call right there. The what? The Aqua that Sox? would be the Everett Aqua Sox. Yes, gone like a cool breeze. So we have Red Sox, White Sox, and Aqua Sox? Correct. Okay. Yes. What Na- is an Aqua Sox? Named after water shoes, I guess. Those little... <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. What's the... Uh, you know what? Forget about it. <laughs> I was going to ask a question. I'm not going to ask the question. <laughs> an Aqua Sox. All right. Uh, so y- you and I have spent the majority of our... F- one of the themes in four years of doing this show together, the Mackie and Judd show... If you're a mid-market team like the Twins and people are complaining about payroll all the time, it's more about making those. You you have to be better in the margins if you're a small mid-market team. You have to be better at developing talent, at finding talent in the cracks over here because unlike the Dodgers who have a $250 to $300 million payroll and it's Los Angeles and they just have more revenue streams and bigger TV contracts, they can fix problems or just... Oh, we have a problem. Let's they just go sh- spend on a free agent or jettison problems too very right. easily, and then yep. that guy can go home and make millions of dollars while on his couch watching TV. Yeah, you can st- yes. you can stash eighty million dollars worth of players who aren't. They paid Carl Crawford for the last two years to, to watch home. the World Series on mm-hmm. his couch. So, with that in mind, the Twins, a mid-market team, and they should still spend money. Go get a big pitcher in free agency, whatever. But they made two really shrewd trades yesterday that fit that exact description of what we're talking about. This is what you these are the types of moves you need to make to stockpile talent to uh to maybe set yourself up for a trade in the future. So mm-hmm. so they had 3 million dollars left in their international spending pool, money that was was flagged for Shohei Otani. All right, 3 and a half million dollars. Shohei, if you want it, we'd love you to come play in Minnesota, but you can't you can't spend 10 million dollars on Shohei because there's a capped system. And the Twins had more money than, than I think it was the Rangers and Yankees who yeah. had more money than the Twins. Uh, but Shohei said, nope, sorry, I want to play on the West Coast or play with a team that trains in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So Twins, we appreciate the, uh, the bidding, but uh, you're out. So instead of lighting that money on fire or signing a 16-year-old crapshoot from the Dominican or from Venezuela, the Twins traded $2 million of that pool of money 
to the Angels and Mariners last night for two really good, highly touted 2017 draft picks. 19-year-old outfielder Jacob Pearson, who was the third-round pick by the Angels, and 21-year-old catcher David Benuelos, fifth-round pick by the Mariners. So they turn money that they weren't able to spend on Shohei because he rejected them, and money that they could have just lit on fire because, oh, man, we didn't get Shohei. Like, what are we going to do with this money? And they wind up sending $2 million split between the Mariners and the Angels to help them go further in the bidding process. Mm -hmm. And the genius is they wind up with two top prospects, and it's very likely, it's a certainty that either the Angels or the Mariners will whiff on Otani, if not both of them whiff on Otani, and they will have given you two top five round draft picks for nothing. Which seems like a great deal. Yes, it is a, it's, these guys are playing, these guys are doing calculus, they're playing chess, and at the end, Terry Ryan was doing arithmetic playing checkers. And this made perfect And this is a great example of that. This made perfect sense. Yeah. And now, and now I believe, if you look through from uh, the 2017 draft, you now have, um... One to approximately eight of the top 153 prospects. Yeah, from that from that draft or picks. So that is that's and, and what these makes two sense. guys were top 100 draft prospects. Too. Yes. So you 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 wind up with like a handful this was of the very top 100 smart. draft prospects. In fact, prospects. I, I think that Derek, when he joined us in studio a couple days ago, said that they should do exactly this. He and called they, it, yeah. and they did, and it's very very smart. And and this is, but this all goes back to how do you replenish? your farm system, right? I mean, this goes back to the conversation that we had since these guys got here, which is your system is a mess. You don't have pitching. You don't have catching. And so essentially what they've done now, and I and the thing with baseball, and it's not fun, but it's necessary, is patience. That's the thing with baseball because we, we are now in the football era of sports, right? Oh, you draft a guy, he should help you right away. Mm-hmm. We don't... Patience is, as sports fans, is not something that we are good at. But baseball, among sports, is probably the one where it requires the most patience. And that's when you make a trade like this. And heck, this might take three years. But eventually, when these guys start to come up, you're now going to look back and say, that was a really good well, deal. Well, so there's that angle. There's the If these guys, if this 19-year-old Jacob Pearson, who is one of the top high school outfielders going into the draft, th- winds up in the third round by the Angels, so there's, there's the, hey, he might be a major leaguer for you in three years. But I think even more importantly, if you just have 20 really viable, you know, sought-after prospects in your organization, it's a lot easier to trade three of them for Garrett Cole. Sure. To trade four of them for Chris Archer, mm-hmm. if that winds up happening. Then you don't feel like you just cleaned out your entire cupboard's worth of young players when you're making those moves. And that's why people are like, well, they already have a couple shortstops in their system. Why would they? Why would they draft Royce Lewis? Well, but shortstop and center field and pitching, those are premium yes. positions. And if you can get top talent at those positions, so now if you've got Jorge Polanco as a shortstop and you've got uh, Nick Gordon yes. and then you've got Royce Lewis, you're more comfortable trading one of them for, let's say, an in-his-prime stud pitcher at the deadline next year. And that's guess, why you want this talent. And guess what? Shortstops are really good athletes, which means... They can play multiple spots, which is becoming more and more important. Yeah. So if you you if you want to go out and get all of the shortstops uh, and and all of the pitchers that you possibly can, go for it. You can never have enough because, especially at shortstop, you can move them around to different positions very easily. Yep. So the Twins, it's a shrewd couple of trades. You might see that and say, oh, they so they traded some money for. Uh, also, worth noting for the poll ads or cheap crowd, the Twins spent more money in the draft than any team in baseball this year. In part because they were the worst team two years ago, and so they just had more money to spend. But mm-hmm. um, and then they're they're trading money and spending money for 
lottery tickets, essentially. So th- this is a good Smart way to, to spend yeah. that money in the margins. Let's come back, talk some Vikings. Chip Scoggins is with us. And uh, yeah, Chip's got a, got a coach now. Got a ball coach at Tennessee. Oh, Only had to go 32 names down the list. You got a Bama guy, To find though. a guy. You got a Bama guy, Chip Scoggins. We'll get Chip's thoughts on his favorite college, uh, something he's passionate about. And also, he wrote a great column this week illustrating and uh, and doing a deep dive into why the Vikings have been so successful and some of the prep that goes on behind the scenes. Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. That's right, sports fans. This is 1500 ESPN. Roll Tide, Chipper. Finally did it. Jeremy Pruitt, we'll defensive coordinator, <laughs> Alabama. Nick Saban's right-hand man is your new head coach at I'm excited. Tennessee. I'm excited. It took a little while. You can't rush these things, boys. How many names did, did we just You can't rush. Right. I think we're down to ESPN just put a graphic up. All of the failed pursuits by Tennessee, and it was like they had to do eight-point aerial font to fit all the names on the screen. If it would have been a map, it would have just been a, 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 a smudge mark across the country. Mike Grant turned them down. The Apple Valley right. coach said no. The Blaine coach said no immediately. Yeah, I sort of felt like we were probably going to wind up um, with the coordinator after all the stuff that went down. But you know what? I'm excited. In, in I, I wanted a sitting head coach because I think it's still a big enough job where you want a, a guy who's done it before. But Kirby Smart's done a pretty good job at Georgia, and he had never been a head coach. And, and so you hope you get the same kind of success. But this guy, hey, he's won national titles at Alabama as a defense coordinator. He won a national title at Florida State as a defense coordinator. He's been a defense coordinator under Mark Richt at Georgia. He's one of the top recruiters in the country. Let's go. And Let's Saban go. will never talk to him again. Play it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Saban said, get out. I'll never talk That's to you right. again. How uncomfortable is that? Yeah. I can't, you know, can't imagine Saban's going to uh, Which means we're going to get it by 70 when we play in this <laughs> year. Almost certainly. Uh, so t- tell us, you wrote a, a nice column this week for the Star Tribune, StarTribune.com, about the Vikings' professionalism behind the scenes and yeah. the, the prep work that they put in. Well, it, it kind of struck me. And it, I don't want this to come out like I'm creepy, and I had to kind of explain it to Trey Reigns that you know I'm not spying and sneaking up behind you, but um, so I was flying to, uh, I know I was flying to uh, ships in Trey's suitcase. <laughs> Hi Trey. Hi Trey. Good morning Trey. <laughs> um, I was flying to Michigan to cover the Gophers at Michigan, and the Gopher and the Vikings were on their bye week, and Wayne's happened to be sitting in front of me on the plane, he was going to Michigan State, his alma mater, because they were hosting Penn State that same weekend. It was a Friday. Like, how well do, would you say, because there's a lot of media guys, and no, Trey Wayne is, is fairly new. Okay. Yeah. And he, he's not a guy that comes in the locker room. And yeah. and I got to be honest, I don't know that I've ever interviewed him one-on-one outside of the, the big group. So, so it's progressively he, he, creepier as it, we... It's creepy. <laughs> and I, it's funny how you have to kind of sell this. Well, anyways, I'll tell a story. So he, the whole time we're on the... And this is, they play Washington in nine days. This is basically their vi- their vacation. Zimmer said, "Get away, clear your head, blah blah blah." So the whole way on the tarmac and the whole way there, he's studying film of Washington's offense. Mm-hmm. Guys, he's I mean, he's just breaking down and, and just sitting in coach. Well, exit row. He got the okay. He got yeah. I'm I'm squeezed in behind, <laughs> but but he you know and he's studying and and the whole way. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive for you know you you're on vacation basically. You can downshift here. You can catch up on that when you get back but he was just getting ahead of the game i mean you know he wanted to know what he's doing and so yeah that's when i approached him actually had the pr guys kind of say you know he wasn't spying on you he wasn't he's not some creepy guy he just he he noticed you doing it and trey was like no i'd love you know obviously it makes him did you talk to him at all on the plane or did you just let him do his thing yeah yeah (laughs) he just creeped (laughs) 
cover two there. You got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So then, uh, you know, just talking to Zimmer, and Zimmer's always, uh, if you've been around, been around him, he's always praising how hard his team works in practice. And and uh, I asked Evers, uh, Everson Griffin, I was like, you know, how often do you, you know, are you, are you a big study guy, you know, because you, you could pretty much whip your guy no matter what he's doing. He's like, ah, you know, I study when I'm eating dinner. I study when I'm in my hyperbaric chamber. I love study. I study all the time when I'm <laughs> eating dinner. I'm, I'm, I'm not studying my sleep. I'm <laughs> studying right. my sleep. That's what he said. He said, if I'm in the big boy bathroom handling my business, I'm studying my... <laughs> And I was like, okay. And he's like, well, my, my wife's giving, having a baby. I'm studying. Oh, okay, <laughs> buddy. Oh, too much information. <laughs> I don't want to go there. It was great. He was on a roll, so I just let him keep going. Uh, and then Zimmer, I asked him, I said, you know, uh, I said, how often do you have to, like, at practice, like, get on, like, hey, let's go. This is not acceptable. Tempo, work, all that. And he said, maybe once a month. And so he, he said it's been like that. He said when, the first day he came through the doors like that, he said, I thought I was going to have to chew their you-know-what. And he said, I was shocked by how how well they uh, prepared and worked. So, yeah, they're really talented. they got a lot of great players. But uh, I think it also speaks to, you know, th- this team is really preparing. They're taking this serious. And I think they I think all this winning kind of breeds that, you know what, it's paying off. And we got a chance to be something really special here. So let's be diligent in, in preparing for for who we're playing. I think now too that that last year's falling apart actually helped them mm-hmm. in the sense because defensively, I mean, they had to say this was still a really good team, and and we basically collapsed. So I would think that that as they started to get on a roll this year, that that comes back a lot to them to be like, okay, if we take this week off or this time off now, Chip, yeah. You know that we, we sort of did that last year, and it bit us right in the butt. That's a, that's a great point that they don't want to go through that again, and they they know if you're not. And I'm not saying that they they weren't preparing as hard last year. I, I just think defensively, I think the offense wore them out. I think they just I didn't do anything. Completely. The defense was way out there too too much. But but I think it's like anything. If you put a lot of work into it, and then you win five, six, seven, eight games in a row, you're going to keep doing it, and it's going to it's going to inspire you to. You know, study, you know, an extra 30 minutes at night or whatever. And um, I was talking to Harrison Smith about it off the record, and he's asked him, you know, you're a guy that pours over film. And he said he does probably an hour at night, but once he's done, he's done. He's like, I, he said, I just know I reach a point where I got to turn it off and do something else to kind of clear my mind. Harrison Smith also is this. When you watch him play, he is an extraordinarily, extraordinarily smart player. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's he's a guy that you watch and you're like, he completely sees things. And and that's the thing. Some guys, and it's not based on talent. Some guys have this, and some guys don't. But w- when you watch Smith play, he com- he combines ability with the fact that he is almost always in the right place, and he is as instinctive as hell. And I have no idea what's again if he's a smart guy off the field. But as as far as playing the game, he is a brilliant player. Very cerebral. And, and and the thing is, look at the way Zimmer uses his players, moving them around, doing different things. Uh, offensively, Shermer now, to help them go with tempo, wide receivers don't have to stay in the same spots. They can just line up. And and, and that's a change from the past where, okay, you're always on the left side, you're always on the right side, you're always in – no, they'll just jump in a spot. And so they, they move those those guys around. And so that takes preparation and – and it also, the more I thought about it, when does that ever you? When have you watched them this year and you say, you know what, they just don't look prepared? Yeah, I mean, 
And you see Never that with even, football teams that just look confused or just disjointed, yeah. or it, you just don't see that with the, them. The, the, in fact, the only stretches where, they, first of all, they've only lost two games, correct? Yeah. Uh, so it's so that answers your question, but sort of. But can, like the first half against the Browns, was, yeah, the first half against the Browns was bad, but I wouldn't say it was unprepared bad. It was lethargic bad. It was of. just like they traveled over uh, a big body of water, and the quarterback mm-hmm. had a bad first quarter, and then they mm-hmm. kind of they just they, they raised the energy level a little bit. The loss against Pittsburgh. Quarterback transition on the road against a, a now ten and two team and a Hall of Fame quarterback, um, but yeah, you're right. It's they look so locked in and and as a Vikings fan and follower, you sit here and the, and you're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, but now wait until after the bye and I got the Rams. Oh, now Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, wait until that game on the road against the Falcons. And every single week, it's they're just dismantling good offenses and quarterbacks, and they're they're just a machine going through their schedule right now. Yeah, and I. I I'm just impressed by, and you look at on offense where they just seem like they always have a good plan. And whether it's, you know, screen game, you see uh, the combo blocks that the, the line are getting or, or the routes that these receivers are running or just to create uh, play calls that Shermer has. And then obviously, you know what the defense is doing. Um, they just seem on point right now. And um, Gessling was asking me the other day, he said, yeah, you think they'll turn into a pumpkin? I don't. I don't either. I don't. I, I they don't. might. It doesn't they mean they lose. won't lose. Yeah, yeah, but just completely fall apart and think that this is a straight. I don't. I think this is. Uh, and he agreed too. Is I just think there's. We've seen too much substance there. And, defen- think, and, and defense is not good. Yeah, they're. Mm-hmm. So I mean, good. in in '09, you always that that defense wasn't bad, Chipper, but you always had it in the back of your mind that the pass defense could be exploited. Mm-hmm. You know, when, once you played Breeze. I don't watch this defense now unless unless one or two guys gets hurt, which would yeah. change the entire dynamic. But if they don't get hurt, you watch this defense and say, even on their worst day, you got a feeling that if they had to, that, that they could hold a team to 14 to 20 points. Yeah, and, and the injuries are the one thing you can't uh, account for. But look at just the confidence this team has right now and the, and, and the way they play. They just seem like offense, defense, special teams. They just look like a really confident group. And being around them and in the locker room, you just get that sense that they know they're good and they kind of are hungry for it. Yeah. Let's discuss your four more games regular season. And then the one this weekend is is on paper the toughest one. It's a road game. Carolina went to the Super Bowl two years ago. I brought up uh, with Judd yesterday. I know on paper this it's a road game and it's Cam Newton. I think... This might be a statement game for the Vikings. I, 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 Cam Newton does not match up well against Mike Zimmer. Let's talk about this upcoming game in the road ahead for the Vikings. Chip Scoggins from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Uh, we have Lou Nanny at the top of the hour, a scoop of Doogie at 11.30, and a lot more Vikings-related items. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Is it for charity at all? Uh, not that I know of. It's just somebody decided it would be fun. Mackie and Judd. It's like a clown car, but much smellier. On 1500 ESPN. Oh, we're not staying home for the holiday bowl. Our boycott lasted for just two short days If you want to look foolish in a million ways For the Holiday Bowl you can't be staying home Sing it, Dave. We sent our senior Wolotowski 
to speak on our behalf, listing our demands supported by the code. Yeah. You go, Coach Quays. The next day we got our meeting with Eric Kaler and Mark Coyle. They said suspensions won't be lifted. So our intentions have shifted. Oh, we're not staying home for the Holiday Bowl. Our boycott lasted for just two short days. If you want to look clueless in a million ways, for the Holiday Bowl, you can't be staying home. Ah, uh, yes. Songs by the Yule Log. That was a classic off Volume 2. Chip Scoggins hanging out with us. Volume 3, Chipper, you'll be happy to know. We'll drop on Monday. Track oh, by track right, leading right. up to Christmas. The memories of last December oh, and the Holiday Bowl. I'd almost forgotten how it went down until then. <laughs> well, poor Wolotarski. Mitch Leiner, you talk. Yeah. No, you talk. No, no you're going to no, talk. No, Mitch, you talk. Ziggy's going to talk. Mitch is going to talk. Mitch is going to talk. Oh, man. Um, we'll have to show Chip the new album cover, yeah, too. I guess, uh, yeah, yeah. Here. So uh, we're talking Vikings. I brought this up to Judd yesterday. I think two things. One, to me, Cam Newton's one of the most overrated quarterbacks in recent NFL history. Uh, he said he had the MVP season mm-hmm. in which he threw a bunch of touchdown passes. Uh, they had really g- great red zone success. But if you just look at kind of where he ranks since coming in the league, he's not a great passer. He's not accurate. Uh, questions about his leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had a lot of great defenses, and they haven't cashed in to the degree that you would think. So all those things. And on top of it, part number two, Mike Zimmer owns him. Yeah, Mike Zimmer's teams have faced him twice with the Vikings. 14, 12 or 4, I think it's 12 sacks in those games. Maybe even 14. Yeah. Eight um, last year, right? Eight so last eight year. and four. So yeah. it's it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of sacks. And to me, if if a Mike Zimmer defense is making more uh, surgical pocket passers look uncomfortable, Cam Newton, unless he runs for 100 yards or hits a, a big play down the field yeah. or something, I don't see him carving up a Mike Zimmer defense on Sunday. I don't either. And think back to last year, how just out of it he looked compared to that when, when he faced pressure. He just never looked comfortable. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was always looking around to see where the pressure coming. And oh, by the way... Matt Khalil has to uh, block Everson Griffin. For, yeah, good luck with that. The first, and, and, yeah. and Khalil, I don't. Uh, Rivera was asked about him yesterday. He said, "Well, you know, you, you know, he, he <laughs> kind of had a little bit of a slow start, and he's played better of late." But I, I haven't watched every one of their games, but I'm guessing he's not playing. Better. Ron was thinking, "What were we thinking when yeah. we did that contract?" The thing with Cam is, for as much as Cam runs and as much as Cam gets hit. You can really easily take away Cam's will to play. Mm. Last year, he just looked like, okay, bleep it. Can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it. And that's the thing about him is he's got the ability, if he can get going, to get hot. But it, but if you can sack him twice in the opening quarter, chipper or something like that, he very quickly just says, okay, this could, this well, day's not for me. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think that's uh, atypical for. A lot of the quarterbacks we're seeing going against Zimmer defense. Go back to last week, Matt Ryan. I don't think he looked particularly comfortable. He never did he, the whole it, game. No, I mean his first throw he yeah, airmailed right. right over Julio Jones. Yeah, and that that might have been him saying, "I better get rid of this ball quick and get mm-hmm. you know." And he, he might have uh, been thinking about the pressure. And so I think uh, Zimmer's defense, particularly 
the thing I think they've done a really good job of, they've stopped the run. And when they can stop the run, you're in trouble as a quarterback because then that's when it's third and seven and, and Zimmer brings all those guys up and they're, you know, Harrison Smith's running up and running back and you don't know where he's going to be at. And so he, he has a way to confuse those quarterbacks. Who is the last, speaking of that point, Chipper, who is the last quarterback that you guys think looked comfortable this year against the Vikings? Was it, was it Roethlisberger in week two to a certain degree? I'm trying. I mean, Jared Goff looked miserable. I mean, Kirk Matthew Cousins Stafford looked fairly looked comfortable. They Staff- played yeah. some points. Yeah, maybe because Stafford looked in the game on Thanksgiving. Stafford yeah, looked, looked yeah. like get me out of here. It's been yeah, a while. Maybe Cousins or you know Roethlisberger. Which was without Griffin the, playing. The, the Pittsburgh game was interesting because it felt like they just kept throwing bombs and hoping they were either going to complete one to Brown or get a pass interference, and they did a lot. So that was kind of a weird game plan, I thought. But. Um, yeah, I mean, it, and that's with with the Vikings, and it, every one of those guys on defense tells you if their first thing is to stop the run because they know when they do that, they've got you dictated because then Everson and those guys can just kind of tee off. Yeah. Uh, we did this yesterday, too. Who would you – we did this we, – we started a couple days ago with the 98 team. We had mm-hmm. John Randall on, and he was great, and so – uh, prompted us to say, who who would you take from this team, Judd asked him this, and put on the 98 team? Ooh. And then we brought this up to the to the listeners and vice versa. So you covered the 09 team. 09, yeah. Who would you take from the 09 team and put on this team and vice versa? And and we're saying you can't take Favre, right? You could. It's well, no, it's no fun, though. Yeah, that's... Let's take, all right, we'll take him we'll off take the board. We'll take Favre. You know, I, I wrote I was looking at the roster right now, and it's... Boy, it brought back some memories seeing some of these names, but... <laughs> I put I put down three... And I'll have to pick one, but I, three that um, offensively, Percy Harvin, yep. just because I think he was so dynamic and it had been fun to see him in this offense and how Shermer would have used him. Over, tre- over Treadwell? <laughs> I know, stunning. Um, <laughs> the corner so, of that big play on Sunday, what are you guys talking yeah. about? He had a block, right? Yeah, uh, defensively, man, I would love to see how Zimmer would use Winfield. See, if you had Winfield and Harrison Smith on the same defense, roaming around, tackling, blowing up screens. Yeah, but man. but then, so you're, you're asking, how would you make this team better? Mm-hmm. Ryan Winfield would Winfield would obviously, well, my third one is Longwell. And that's um, the one that we said. And I would probably yes. go with Longwell because I think he would have the biggest impact in terms of upgrading your team. Now, it'd be fun to see Zimmer moving Winfield around and all that, but I don't know, it, it, Winfield would obviously... In 2009, was a great player, and he would make this defense better. But I think I'd go with Longwell just for the consistency mm-hmm. and just the confidence factor that when you set him out there, he's going to make it and not miss the PAT. Yeah, uh, but those are the three. I think I think those three would you know you could put them in a hat and take one out because uh, I think all three of those would you could make an argument for the Percy one really intrigues me though. Yeah, because because one I think Shermer would have found ways to use him that would have been incredibly creative. And plus, the game has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, if you took Percy now, and and it's pre-pain-in-the-ass Percy a little yeah. bit, okay? He's still a pain, but not as much as he certainly became. And all of a sudden, you're in a, a league now that would, I mean, they deploy him in the backfield, which they did a little bit Jet in 09, sweeps. but they do it a lot more now. You'd have him in the slot. You'd have him lined up. And, and to your point before, Chip, if you told Percy, because I always contended he was a very smart player. Very smart. A very smart player. And so if you told Percy, Percy, guess what? When you split out wide, you split out essentially where you want. Mm-hmm. That's a, That could be really yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, and, and imagine him now with uh, a lot of these jet sweeps that we see and, and line up out, out wide and motion to the backfield and do a quick pick. I mean, I just think Shermer would have a 
field day with Percy, yeah, and, a player and, like that. And Percy would fight, he'd sort of fit in with this versatility theme that the Vikings have going offensively, mm-hmm. where you know. The, it's not like they have one receiver that has to be on the outside and then one that has to be in the slot. They can line up Diggs and Thielen pretty much wherever they want. They can line up running backs, backfield, third down, whatever they, whatever they want to do, and Percy would fit that exact bill. But could you imagine Zimmer getting his hands on Winfield? Remember the when we were in Philadelphia, the 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 game that we were there forever? The Puggage game. Yeah, the Puggage game where uh, I went back and looked. I think Winfield blitzed 18 times that night mm-hmm. off the slot corner, and it was just because they had Vic, and it was kind of like... the job. Yeah, and it... And it, and it um, Puggage kind of had one of those, you know, bleep it game plans. All right, we're going to blitz uh, Winfield 18 times. What? Well, mm-hmm. it, it was, be- it would, you know, work like a a genius. And, uh, but I, I, I just can imagine Zimmer using him on blitzes, on different kind of creative packages. That, w- that would be fun to see. Yeah. So, uh, the, but the, Longwell's the guy. Yeah. The, <laughs> the 98 team, some people said Cunningham, but I don't know if there's much. Mm. I mean, Cunningham and Keenum are both sort of sitting in the seat of this sports car right now. And uh, Randy Moss, though, if you had yeah. Diggs, Thielen, and Randy Moss, yeah, that would be unfair uh, for pulling from the '98 team, or if you're pulling from this team to the '98 team, pretty much any dominant defensive player, uh, Harrison, Harrison Smith, Smith would be, uh, he would be probably the guy, right? I don't, I don't know who were the safeties in '98. Robert Griffin was Griffith was a safety on that team and was pretty good, but yes, yeah, Harrison would be, make any defense Smith better. would yeah. be outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, the the Gopher basketball team got beat by Nebraska and it looked bad the other night. Yeah, but like. Two top five teams or top ten teams lost again last night. Let's let's talk some go for hoops. Yeah, with you yeah, for sure. When we come back here, uh, Chip Scoggins hanging out from the Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Lou Nanny in about fifteen minutes on Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, let's not scare the children. On 1500 ESPN. And the 1500 ESPN Sports Fantasy Auction is returning this coming Tuesday, December 12th, presented in part by Able Chiropractic and TCL. Listen all day from 9 a.m. until 6 to bid on great experiences with all money raised, benefit Encourage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute. Plenty to bid and purchase, such as, well, how about four tickets to a Wolves game in the TCL theater box with Mackie and Judd, plus a 65-inch TCL TV. That will be yours. Or you've got sit-ins, of course, with your favorite shows. And we've, uh, we're going to even auction off naming rights for the 1500 ESPN studio phone line for a full week. Head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword courage to see everything up for auction. All right. Yeah, that'll be fun. Thank you, Dave Harrigan. Uh, next week, hey, Chip Scoggins is hanging out with us from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Does it make you feel a little better about that buzzkill gopher loss at Nebraska that Florida, ranked fifth in the country, got beat by six at home by Loyola, Chicago? Uh, Washington went on the road, beat Kansas by 10 points last night. They're ranked number two in the country. Yeah, at, so, yeah that was at, well, it wasn't Allen Fieldhouse's in Kansas City. Right, yeah. yeah but uh, yeah, college basketball is very scrunched together these days. It yeah, feels like. yeah. And I mean, I just think there's a lot of really good players, and, you know, it's not the big schools aren't immune to uh, clunkers every now and again. And, and that's what the Gophers was. I mean, that was just, they laid an egg. Yeah. Um, wasn't really a whole lot redeeming about that performance. Uh, defensively, they just were atrocious defending the pick and roll. They didn't shoot the ball well. The foul trouble kind of, I thought, threw them off their game. And to me, yeah, you know, I, I don't get too worked up. They, they had a bad game. They they did some things that are uncharacteristic, but they're going to play well. They're going to be a good team. But the the thing that I have real concerns about that's going to limit them is their bench. They just do not have a bench right now. And um, Washington is going to play like a freshman. Fitzgerald 
it's just a it's a sad deal for him. I just don't know when you have two ACLs, you're going to get back to the player you were, and you can see he's just not there. Um, and it's a shame because I saw him as telling off there. I saw him. Uh, Patino had us in before uh, the season last year for one of those preseason practices. And you watch him, you're like, ah, this guy's going to help him. He's pretty darn good. And I think it was like the next practice or the next day that that uh, he he tore his ACL. And it's just it's just hard when you've had that twice. And so I don't know what you can count on him. Um, and just boy, that Eric Curry injury is really showing up with their lack of depth right now. So their top five is really good, and I think it's going to carry him a long way. But it, when you those nights where you're going to need your bench for a spark, where they're foul trouble or guys just aren't getting it done. I'm not sure they have it there. Kanate too doesn't nah. seem to do much well. No, nah. that's the problem. You you bring him in to play at important junctures, especially if guys get into foul trouble, and he comes in, and there's just nothing really there. Yeah, it's he. I mean, maybe he's improved a little, but it's been marginal over the years. I just you can't really count on a whole lot from him, and so it's going to have to be the the first five. I mean, they're going to have to be really good most nights. And the the good thing about him is. You know, I don't think that they're not just relying on on Murphy. Um, there's going to be games where Mason goes off. There's going to be a, games where Dupree Brer goes off. Uh, you know, Coffee's going to have a game where he scores 30s and just carries. I mean, they have different guys. We saw it last year where a guy would just pop up and have a really good game and carry. Yeah. I mean, and they have that capability. I mean, their first five have, has guys that can really, on any given night, just step up and carry a team. But when you get into the grind of the Big Ten and you're going to need more than six or, trouble too. Yeah, six or seven guys, I just, boy, they're going to, Patino's really going to have to manage this and, and hope that Washington and, and Harris kind of mature a little bit and can and, uh, can contribute and um, because there's just not a whole lot there. I think the hope is for sure Washington, If and, and it's, it's feasible because he's one of the more talented freshman point guards in the mm-hmm. country, coming as Mr. Basketball in New York, that Throughout the course of the next two or three months, he starts to figure it out, add layers to his game. And then I, I'm with Joe. I mean, Kanate's been around for yeah. for four years, and he is what he is. It'd be nice if he could rebound. But if Devontae Fitzgerald can just get to the point where he's giving you 10 to 15 minutes of rebounding and defense, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's tough when you bring in players off the bench and you're looking for whether it's Michael Hurt or Bakari Kanate, Devontae Fitzgerald, you're looking for one, give me one thing, really defense good. Yeah. Yeah. or. Uh, a shot. I mean, not to not to pick here, but Michael Hurt's been on the court for 42 minutes. Has taken one shot. He's so yeah. you, you have a guy out there who's not even looking to take a shot. Yeah, and uh, that's it's tough to win when you're when you're devoting minutes like that to players who aren't checking boxes. Yeah, and that's um, and and Patino has, you know, he hasn't made it a secret that he said my first five is really good. He said I'll put them up against most teams, mm-hmm. um, but they've got to get that bench coming along because you can't just rely on five guys. I mean, it's just not going to work. Jelly has to get the game to slow down a bit. He's too fast. Because, yeah. I mean, he's got the skills. And and I, I like I like the fact that when he struggles, he doesn't go into a shell. But the, the Miami game, to me, was the perfect example of he was playing that game at warp speed the entire time. And at times, it's like, no, no, just slow it down. Yeah. He, and he couldn't. It's like he was playing hyperventilation basketball. It's like, you know, you're so sped <laughs> up. And it's like, whoa, just take a breath. Yeah. You're okay. You know, you're really good. You don't have to play that fast. And so, but, you know, in saying that, they're still a good team. I mean, that one loss, it doesn't, you know, doesn't make me think differently. I, I just think they laid an egg that. Unfortunately, sometimes that happens. Kansas laid an egg last night. They didn't. I didn't think they played that well, and so 
Uh, they'll bounce back, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, good stuff, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Chip Scoggins from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Uh, Doogie's going to join us for a scoop at 1130 today, a little Thursday scoop action. Also, Matthew Collar from Winter Park around 1215. Lou Nanny. It's a Thursday, so Lou Nanny will join us when we come back here on Mackie and Judd. But first, a word for my friend Chris Lindahl and the incredible work that his team is doing as the number one REMAX results team. Uh, My personal experience working with Chris and his team was phenomenal. In fact, you know, I, uh, I went into the process of selling my condo about a year and a half ago thinking, so just to be totally candid, I had done my own research. I had a price point in my head. Let's put it on the market for this. And Chris Lindahl's team came in and said, you know, if we stage it this way and if we run all of our marketing tools and all of the different platforms we have to market the sale of your home, I think we can get this. And it was like two notches above what I thought. And I was a little skeptical. I received top dollar for my condo simply through working with the Chris Lindahl team. They market better. They know what they're doing on a level that's incomprehensible when I went into this process. And now through December 15th, they're going to give a free listing contract to a lucky winner who registers at chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K or 763-401-SOLD. The Chris Lindahl team, number one REMAX results team.